Welcome to episode four of our special feature series. In this final of four feature length episodes, we give you some of our views on the corporate treasury industry as a whole. We're also joined not only by Guillaume and Hassam, the amazing hosts of Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. We're also joined by Katie Hardy, who helps me. She's got a great experience, you know, across the industry, along with myself. You know, we bounce off some ideas. We talk about, you know, how you get to the top of the treasury profession. I hope you've gone back and listened to some of the other episodes that we've done in this feature length special edition episodes, if you like. In the first episode, we covered the early stages of your treasury career. It wasn't just about how you first get into treasury. It's also how, if you're a treasurer, you might want to attract those members of staff. And actually that's a key thing at the moment. The industry's going a bit crazy for it. How do you attract treasury analysts? So it's worth having listened to that. Second episode, feature length episode was more about treasury manager, mid levels of your career, how you grow it, develop, and also set yourself up for success to become in episode three, a global treasurer. And we talked in there about some of the different things we've seen across the different you know, geographies, how it differs between the UK to the US to Europe, you know, all very different, but I hope you enjoyed those. So go back and binge on those if you want. And this in episode four, as I say, we talk about how the treasury job market has evolved. And as always, don't forget to subscribe to both my podcast, the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast, Gloman has some amazing um, podcast hosts. Uh, yeah, got some good, good competition there. But there's obviously focused a little bit more on breaking down some of the corporate treasury topics that we get asked about. Ours obviously focused on your treasury careers. Now, we're also joined by the lovely Katie Hardy, so connect to her. But as I say, each and every week on my show, let's get on with the show. And welcome to part four, the end of this current series of bonus episodes. I hope you enjoy these. They've been amazing to make with Guillaume and with Hassan from Corporate Treasury 101. Great podcast. If you're out there, go on Spotify, uh, iTunes, everything else. We'll put some links in the show notes. In this week's show, and in this show, if you like, we talk with, also we involve lovely Katie Hardy joins us on the show. We talk about treasury markets globally in the other episodes we talked about junior treasury mid-level treasury and global treasurers and senior treasury market if you like in this one we sort of it's a bit more general if you like we talk about working from home we talk about some of the trends so talk about some of the different things happening in the world of treasury I'll, I'll shut up actually i'll let the episode do the talking for itself anyway let's get on with the show welcome everyone we are back again with the lovely mike and katie joining us today hello katie Hi, nice to meet you. Hello, guys. Yeah, it's great because I've got Katie now, so you can't bully me all episodes. You've got, you know, you've got Katie to take up some of the hard answers. That's fantastic. Mike, we've had three great episodes with you so far. We've gone through the entire journey of the treasury career path all the way from uh, getting into it straight out of university, into your assistant treasury role, and all the way up to becoming a group treasurer, right? And all the different intricacies of that and how it works and everything like that. We wanted to talk a little bit more with you and get your expertise, yours and Katie's expertise, yeah. of course, into the overall market as a whole. So what's the treasury market like? And also what's the recruitment market like? And how the role of a treasurer has changed over the last few years? Prior to pandemic, the market as a whole was starting to recover. We'd had a few flat years, we'd got a couple of recessions and stuff, and it was starting to get a bit better. Then came along the pandemic, COVID, everything stopped. I saw a number of 
treasurers that were planning to leave, planning to retire. Covered it on the last show that about, you know, where do you go next with treasury careers? And sometimes they do get to the end of their careers and that's it. They've filled out their pension pot and they want to have a break on the beach and everything else. So and why shouldn't they? And so what we've actually found is there were some of them you know, faced having to manage their teams remotely. They'd managed it, but they were stuck at their homes, filling up their pension pots. But now as we come out of it and there's this working remotely and then hybrid working and people would do that a bit more in the show. But as people come back to that, they are people that want to be back in the office or were certainly used to be back in those five days a week. They've got this new hybrid ways and these new teams are going, well, I don't want to be back in the office five days. You know, we do our salary survey. I think we touched on it in one of the other episodes that one of our clients in the UK, for instance, said they, they're a bit old school. They want to do things, everyone back in the office five days a week. And we went, well, and actually we're not working on the assignment. We can't support them because only 5% out of 600 people globally said they want to be back in the office five days a week. I mean, that is mental. I mean, I've done this on previous ones that if five years ago, someone had come into my office and said, can you tell me about the job? Yeah, no problem. How much salary? Okay. And it's based here. You know, what's your flexible working policy? And I'll be like, get out my office. <laughs> do you not want to work? Well, get out. The world's changed. You know, we have to do this. Katie, she will explain a little bit more in a moment. And I'll pass to her that Katie has always worked remotely, working with me. We see each other quite regularly. We've done virtual and everything else. But that's one of the things that I've sort of seen, that that's the biggest shift. And Katie, with yourself, you cover, help me on the international markets, particularly US and Europe. And that's where we've yeah. seen a lot of growth. What are you seeing for those markets and the way the world of work has changed sort of thing, if, you, if that's the right way to put it? Yeah, and I think it, it is to do with the hybrid working policy for each individual business. I know that in Europe, it's slightly different because the flexible working and that hybrid working has always been there in Europe versus in the UK. So in the UK, it's a bit alien for people to have flexible working and you kind of have to push for it. Whereas before the pandemic, there were still opportunities for people to work from home in Europe. I think the biggest shift that I've seen working on roles across Europe is very much that the questions are very different when you do the recruitment and speak to candidates because if it's not the first or the second question, it's definitely the third question is what's the hybrid working policy? And I think also from a European perspective, it was I found it not easier, but I found it less challenging, should I say, to have people move from you know one part of Germany to another part of Germany. People now don't want to do that because of the hybrid working situation. So actually, when you're asking somebody to go to an office two or three days a week, they're like, okay, fine, it doesn't require me to relocate now. Whereas before, it was a whole relocation situation. So I think in Europe, it's shifted that way, definitely. And I think the market in general across Europe has seen, it's become more fluid since the pandemic and definitely more fluid and more buoyant um, this year. I think across Europe, again, I'm doing comparison to the UK. In the UK, when you've got a role within Treasury, there's a lot to do with the qualifications and a lot to do with that kind of side of things. 
what I've been seeing and more so this year in Europe, it's all about the conceptual working. So the strategic element of the role rather than just the day-to-day reactive working. I was just going to jump in and feel free to chip in as well, but the US as well, because obviously we've got yeah. these guys have got a lot of the US. I think this was one of the things when I did this session with US treasurers recently, that a lot of them, you talked there about hybrid working or visiting the office and things like that it seemed that there was still an undercurrent and it was some of them well for this next you know till this year and we're recording this mid 2022 you know it's still going to remain remote and then we're going to do two days a week but that's till the end of 2023 it's a year and a half oh and then we'll probably be going back in the office not what what that's a difference and actually that that sort of shift back, you know, I, we've got you and I, Katie, we've got UK and European clients who are saying yeah. we can never go back to the office. We've sold our offices or we've let the lease go away. So we can't all be in one place at the time. But there seem to be much more, certainly with them, that some CFOs wanted to be in the same place as their team. And for them, the CFOs, we did this on the last episode with, with the guys that actually it's all right being a CFO because you're pretty well paid. So, you know, you can be, say, in downtown Manhattan and you're a 10 minute walk from the office, but your two treasury managers, they can't afford to live in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. They've just done two years of working from home. How do they afford it? They're not going to be able to. So they're like, well, actually, I'll I'll do one day a week in the office to meet people and things like that. But that's it. I'm done because I don't want to do two hour commute. You know, give up 10, yeah, 20, 20 hours a week. Katie, what, what would you then? I was also going to ask Gloom, I wanted to ask him because he is a consultant, has got this traveling sort of thing. Sam, you know, you and I have touched on this as well about the new ways of working. But Katie, your input from that? There comes a time where I've got a mix of clients that have actually now embedded their hybrid working policy within a policy within to some extent within a contract. Right. I think because it is such a big thing now, they have to be sure. And I think candidates, you know, will bring it up in interviews as well. I've had candidates recently, I suppose if you like double checking what I've said about the hybrid working situation is actually is actually the truth. And I think it's around having that advisory approach when you are speaking to clients. And and it is an education piece as well that there is that shift that mind Mm. mindset shift definitely that actually before it was well how much is the role going to pay that was the driving question whenever you talk to candidates now it is fundamentally how many times do I have to be in the office and it's around educating the clients to actually say this is this is now the blocker of somebody wanting to be put forward for a job and not you have to be 100% sure that the flexibility that you're telling me is actually what is going to happen with this person otherwise down the line you're going to invest all that time in training and then they're going to leave because they can't sustain yeah. what it is that you're asking them to do you're a treasury consultant and you're in the consultancy profession and you you said you like traveling yeah because you're a bit mad yeah. aside from that you've got that working style and everything else you're at the coalface you're seeing this and you're seeing also with clients without disclosing names how are you seeing that with them so there, there is uh, several things here to mention so first of all there is traveling and there is commuting right so going every day to the office and it takes you one hour uh, back and forth uh, that's something what i do love is traveling indeed so for different assignments and mission go abroad that's uh, the lovely part of the job even though I joined consulting during the pandemic. Obviously, nothing was happening uh, in regards of traveling 
there. Now it tends to ramp up a little bit more, but still I assume uh, much less than, uh, than before. And now, especially in consulting, I guess every client facing jobs, right? There is such a thing as being physically present in front of the clients. You mentioned quite a lot ethos uh, in the previous episode. Well, we're all about that. So when you are in front of the client, can get a feel of the room, can involve everybody from a team you are, mm. you are talking to, right? And not only the leader or the group treasurer, for instance. That's so, so important, especially in consulting. And I would assume in any other kind of meetings. So all the front office, for instance, that uh, we touched upon in the treasury manager episode, I think. Whenever you have relationships with the external world, or at least uh, outside your company, meeting in physics is very important, I'd say. Now... There is a lot of people who like this uh, hybrid way of working. And if I may throw it back to you, Mike and Cathy. So we understand the advantages of working hybrid and remotely. Mm -hmm. What are the rationales for the CFOs, like the legitimate reasons for a CFO or a team lead to say, look, we need to be present physically at the office five days a week. What are their arguments, actually? I think one of the key things is about, we talk about the water cooler moments where you meet someone, you know, the physical training actually of someone yeah. who's a junior member of staff and actually having crossover and, you know, sharing knowledge transfer, if you like, to those guys that are, you know, sort of, uh, you know, learning, you know, the first how to operate that we talked about it before, FX all how to work the dealing platform and everything else. And then it comes more about, Sam, you, you mentioned about personality and training and a lot of treasurers. One of the things we didn't touch on previously was that have become accidental managers of people. And actually, I did this on one of the sessions when I spoke to a load of UK, well, load of treasurers in the UK and Europe and stuff. And they're saying, you guys are treasurers, manage teams of 50, 60 people. And they're like, yeah, yeah. So how much management training have you had? And they're like, uh, none. But, you know, you're expected, and that's what a lot of the time we're talking about, people come in the office, and everyone's talking about the Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe Thursdays, where you're all doing this. Now, one of the things, again, that came up from this American set of treasurers, and I had an amazing guest, Luke Blumink, previously on the show, treasurer of Remy Contro, great guy, but he talked about his virtual water cooler moments, and that the actually work chat was banned. You could have this virtual coffee back in pandemic, and you talked about your weekend, what you got up to. Obviously, sometimes it wasn't very much, you know, a bit restricted. But the thing was, it was sort of a nice sort of way to decompress. And he found out lots of stuff about his team and things he didn't know and everything else. When I was talking to these American treasurers, one of the bits of feedback was they said, oh, we're back in the office now, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Oh, yeah. I said, yeah, and all the banks are flying into a meeting and we're doing all this. I said, great. You're actually seeing a team more than you No. I was like, oh. This, yeah, on the Monday or Friday, we do all the tasks. On those three days, we're sort of seeing all the business partners, but actually not or being out in the business. And, stuff. and some of them were saying, do you know what? They need to get that balance back as well. I mean, Katie, what, with your clients, what have you seen with them? What have they said to you and you know your feedback from some of your recruitment campaigns? Prior to working within an agency environment, I actually headed up recruitment teams for businesses. So being extension of their HR department. 
And I think, you know, obviously we're, we're treasury recruiters, but it's fair to say that when you talk to clients, and I found this actually a lot more recently, because a lot of our clients are looking at restructuring their teams, creating more modern structures within their treasury and corporate finance teams. But one of the things that they're talking about is for them, it's around changing the culture. And I think you can only really define your culture and your, if you like, your employer branding if you've got the presence in the office, it makes the whole cultural piece quite difficult to do if it's all remote. We have a lot of clients, especially across the States and in Europe, that have a lot of the younger generation within their junior and mid-management levels. And, you know, those guys want to have that interaction within the office. And, you know, when you speak to them on the phone, yes, is there any chance to work from home? But for them, it's one of their questions is what's the culture like? It's very hard to define that if you're not putting people together, you're not collaborating people. So I think, you know, as touching on what Mike said, there has to be that balance. And I think that's why people are slightly more reserved when it comes to, I guess, if you like formulating exact policy for hybrid working. I think on the flip side, though, when I've had clients that have said, right, it's only two days in the office. From a recruitment perspective, in some respects, that does widen the pool a bit more because, you know, I've had candidates saying, well, actually, they would be prepared to drive for two hours, two days a week. Whereas if it was five days a week, absolutely not. They would have to relocate. But actually, for only two days a week, that doesn't bother them. So, again, that's an unusual kind of shift. But I do think it is hard with the culture piece. And I know that, you know, we've got a client that we're working with in, in Germany and they're trying to create a more modern structure within a team. So at some point, they're going to have to define that culture. So I would understand for them why there is the need to have more time spent in the office, because that's the only way that they can can do that. Hmm. Taking the problem the complete other way around. Have you seen hmm. in your experience, Katie and Mike, some culture and some treasury departments saying, look, guys, no office anymore. We are 100% remote. You live wherever you want. I want to touch upon this a little bit later on, but there is such a thing as cut-off times in treasury. But if we do not take this into account... Have you seen this? Have you seen like, no, look, we want a young team. We want a very hybrid, if not completely remote environment. It's completely up to you. You can not come at the office at all anymore. Does that exist? Do you face that? I have seen it. I'm not sure how much it will work. Okay. You know, because, and there are candidates who only want remote. Yeah. But then when you actually explore what they mean by remote is they don't want to have to go to the office. They don't want to just meet their people like this remotely. They actually, and, you know, at some stage, I might even buy Katie a a glass of wine or two or seven. And I definitely want to see you guys, you know, next, next time we're over because we're people, we're humans. And, you know, and, and actually I think in some other disciplines, say maybe tax, I'm not just saying tax, not picking on those tax guys or financial control. You know, when I've spoken to some of those guys, They're quite happy because, and I was talking to my accountant about this, and he said one of his staff is 100% working from home, remotely, childcare, blah, 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 will never come to the office. That's fine. Because they want to, but they're still delivering and everything else is back to delivery. 
treasury is a very social activity. You know, it's about working with each other. It's about coming up with shared ideas and everything else. And I'll, I'll hand over to Katie in a minute. And I haven't heard, it's quite funny. I haven't heard from Hassan for a while. I mean, it's a nice break, but you know, I want to see what he says as well. <laughs> if, if someone said to you both, actually, this is a question with a question. We can do Katie first, but if someone said it's 100% remote, that's it. We don't have an office anymore. Would it make a job for you as, say, you put yourselves in that situation, more or less sort of attracted to it? For me, personally, uh, you know, I've got a couple of young members of staff and they all want to come to the office. Now, I don't want to come to the office every day. I've, I've got things like podcasts and get through emails and I've got lots of lots of different tasks to do, but I can see both sides of it. Now, Katie, for you, you know, you have always worked remotely, but there's always an interaction. We've often met as well. And we do lots of things like conferences together. So there's quite a lot of crossover, but you're probably better positioned than any of the three of us to talk about it. What would you say? I think for me, I guess I'm more productive, if you like, if I'm if I'm fully remote. But actually, funnily enough, and there are several reasons behind it, but actually I've recently started working in a, a shared workspace. And it wasn't until I got there that I realised that actually, even though everybody's doing different jobs, to have that interaction and that social element has actually been great. Whereas just sitting at home in an office or in, you know, a home office, whatever that may look like, you don't have that interaction. And I think if I would be 100% and everything on virtual, I would struggle. And that's partly because a culture of a business and the people I work with, regardless of whether they're actually sat next to me or they're people I collaborate with on a day-to-day basis, that culture and the way that that gels together is, is hugely important for me I think I haven't really come across in Europe I've had a couple of roles over the last year that were people at very senior level working for an American corporation but they wanted somebody to cover Europe but again these people were remote but they were traveling around meeting the various different business entities meeting various different stakeholders so again there was that interaction on a face-to-face basis so yeah for me personally I would find it a struggle even though I do work remotely <laughs> and you guys so there you go question with a question get some of our own back <laughs> <laughs> you got a job it's offered you. Well, what would you say if it was 100% remote for me I'm that 5% you mentioned before. I, I love coming to the office. That's just me as a person, <laughs> if I'm honest with you. But I think it depends a lot on the stage of the your career, your stage of your time, your family stage, yeah. right? Where you are, are you single, married, kids, you know, whatever. And also just your seniority in your role. So for me, you're new in a role, you need to come into the office. That's so much of what I've learned has just been the conversation as I'm passing by a desk or that barrier to ask someone a question is so much lower if they're right next to you and you can kind of see, ah, okay, it doesn't look like they're working on anything important right now or I'm just going to sit next to them and strike up a conversation or something mm-hmm. like that. Okay, they're all, they're walking that way. I'm just going to quickly grab them as opposed to pinging them on, on Teams, right, for mm-hmm. example. And then trying to get them into a phone call and then, you know, like the barrier to get that little bit of extra learning, that little bit of extra training early stages in your career or in a new discipline, maybe you're in, it's just too high that I think if you're new, you're severely disadvantaged. If you're not in the office face to face with someone that's an expert in your field, does that mean you have to be hundred percent in the office? No, but I think that's, you're going to learn so much quicker in that regard. However, I've seen lots of people make uh, working remotely work. I have people in my team who are hundred percent remote in a different location whom I work with 
they're you know married, they have their kids, they're senior enough in their role that they know enough that they can just get on with it. Then they get their social aspect from other things. Of course, the human aspect of it's always there. Now, then there's the challenge of, I'm saying the senior people can work from home and the junior people will need to come in to learn. <laughs> if the senior people aren't there, then who are the junior people going to learn from, right? So there's that, there's that difficulty to manage for sure. I travel a lot for work. I travel to, to different countries and cities a lot. Whenever I get back to the office, which every time I'm in Brussels, I always go into the office. There'll be 10 people that come up to me and ask me, oh, do you have an example of this document? Or could you show me how to do this quickly? And, and you know, in one hour of being there, I've touched, helped five different people and five different people have helped me that whom I never would have spoken to. And they never would have messaged me before if I wasn't there. So you just lose that interaction, in my opinion. But again, depends on your seniority and how much you need other people to learn and other things like that versus maybe already there and you don't need that. I agree with you about that because I think you know when you are onboarding a new person especially when they are younger or they're just starting out in their careers they might not I don't want to be patronizing or disrespectful but they might not be used to or know how fundamentally to be proactive and no. productive working from home and actually they want to understand about the business they want to understand and and watch and I think there is a responsibility when it comes to leaders whether they are in treasury or finance or, or any other department that actually you do need to be in the office for the first six weeks or or you know everybody talks about 90 days more than you would do on a normal basis so that you can get those team members up to speed and how you can get the best out of them then whether or not it's in home or in the office so i do agree around the seniority piece there's another side of it as well which is a little bit less on on your experience but more as a, as a company culture from what i've seen i work as an engineer right so innovation technology is is a big part of what we do reducing friction of communication is a hundred percent an enabler for innovation that's a proven method overall um, the faster you can communicate the path, faster you can iterate, the faster you can run through ideas, critique ideas, et cetera, with yeah. multiple people, it's always going to drive innovation much more. And treasury landscape, that's just as important as any other. Brainstorming, coming up with the right risk management strategy, coming up with the right overall cash management strategy, you know, picking up on what's working and what's not, right? Especially as you're the custodian of cash of the company, right? Which is which is a topic we want to come on to about how important that is in today's right. economy. Oh, okay, well, let's uh, shut up then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I'm loving this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, that speed of running through ideas and breaking down problems is so much faster face-to-face. -face. Mm. And especially like, even just right now, we're all remote right now. That one little extra second of, oh, over to you. Uh, oh, uh, do you want to chip in? You don't have that face-to-face. -face. And, and that's, lovely conversation slowing things down just a little bit right and that little bit of friction matters i think the one i'd like to ask maybe before jumping into the the cash aspects is the treasury recruitment markets strains and by that i mean so now people wants to get into a hybrid way of working into flexible environments do recruiters have the choice like okay if this employer is not willing to make me work hybrid is the recruitment markets uh, tense enough to be able to go to any other like how hard it is to find a job into the treasury industry uh, in the treasury world no matter the level so one of the treasurers that i recently spoke to on the session he said wow at the beginning of the pandemic or shortly after they had a remote working job and they had 150 plus applicants brilliant okay Good for them. Yeah, they didn't call us, funnily enough, because they could sift through those and put together their own. And then, mid-pandemic, 
they advertised virtually the same role and they only had 50 applications and the quality funny enough had gone down and dropped down and stuff and everyone was like oh and then just actually a few months ago they put the same advert virtually the same role hybrid again so there's no question they had five applications none of which had sponsorship none of which they could take and everything else okay and they were like oh god what do we do and they were uh, working with their hr team to go out head hunting but actually i said do you know what and then we use this example and i've used i can't remember if i think i may have already used it on one of the other podcasts but it's great i, I gave the lecture in chicago stood there how many of you have a team of 100 or a room of 100 is actually more than that but five percent of the room put their hand up said looking for new jobs you know you're looking for a job yeah put your hand up if you're comfortable Boom. and then i said to the rest of the room i said okay if i come to you with the perfect role and it's the right role the right money the next step in your career it's everything that you want in a job they're like, oh yeah yeah i said how many of you are going to apply or even answer the phone to me so you don't have to send your resume just put 80% of the room went up. And I said, look, you other 20%, I know you're sitting next to your bosses, so you can't send me your CV. That's why you can't be there. And they're all like sort of quite sheepish. And I went, Don't worry, I've got your boss's CVs or resumes. And they were like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. If you come to the people with the right role, and we that's where we fish in. You know, Katie and I were just talking about one of our regions. We've had a client recently who said, you know, they're going to go out with a generalist recruiter, and then they're going to come to us. And we said, look, there's not a massive talent pool. There's a talent puddle, you know, in certain bits. You know, you're not going to be fishing. You know, we, we've got to go to those people that aren't looking for a job. You've got to tempt them out of it. They're happy in their roles, but they are temptable. You know, so we go there and we say, it's a new role. It's more money. But the fact is, it's a development in your career. They're implementing new treasury management system. Or there's a new treasurer in and they want to look at their attitudes to risk. At the moment, they just, you know, they maybe they just use Excel. Maybe they're just a whole host of variety of reasons. That's what you might be that person's first leadership role. Where you'll be able to coach and manage a couple of members of the team. And, or you'll be doing bond issuance, which is something debt capital markets. It could be any of the above. And that's where we fish in that pond or pool. And Katie, you know, I'm going to come to you that you and I talk about this a lot of the time and a lot of the people you talk to aren't people, you know, we put an advert on LinkedIn a lot of the time. We Sometimes we get lucky and we get the right person. Fantastic. But most of the time it's followed up by research, headhunting approaches, and that's where we earn our cash. Katie, what would you say? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think, you know, the people that our clients want are the people that aren't desperate to leave their job roles, are people that are the temptable people. I would say pretty much 80 to 90% of the people are people that I have approached. And I, I've, I'm finding more and more that when I'm talking to clients, I'm saying, well, you know, this person isn't active on the market. They're not unhappy in their role. And basically that you've got to sell it to them to yeah. get them to, to leave their current position. I think it can be different in different markets. At the beginning of this year, we were working with a client in the Netherlands. At that particular time, it was very much a case of there was a lot of jobs and the candidates could cherry pick from those. So actually it was more you've got to have 
a unique selling point. You've got to have something that's going to drive them away from going for, for X client coming to you. So I think some of the time it can be market orientated, but in general, very much, I agree with what Mike said about tempting them away, really. So Katie, how do you do that? How do you tempt them away from a position they are not unhappy? Uh, I do it very well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, perfect. But She's amazing. How does that work? <laughs> like, do you sell the company's culture? Do you say the hybrid way of working? Do you sell the salary? We discussed it with Mike in a previous episode and salary isn't the main metric. So how do you not. convince somebody who is, well, not unhappy, comfortable, not super thrilled about what he or she does? How do you do that? Can I take a little bit of this? Yeah. There's a key <laughs> yeah. word in there, convince. We don't. Okay. Right. We, we present an opportunity and if you want it and it's the right opportunity for you, then you'll take it. And how do we do that? By not convincing you, by not, you know, this guy backed out of a role. I could have caught, oh, no, you can do this. No, his family situation has changed. It's not, he's not going to want that role. That's fine. You know, I've said to him, I'll talk to him in two or three years time when it's the right time for him to move. You know, we've got to speak to a wider range. If you try and convince someone, you can't sell something that you don't want to buy. Yeah. You know, we present an opportunity. So what we do is spend our lives getting to know candidates, talking to them, understanding what the drivers are and where they are in their career, what's right and talking to people. And it's not it's about list, you know, two ears, one mouth. So it's quite weird doing all this podcast. We're doing all the, the talking. I said, that's to you, both of you guys. And I say to Katie that sometimes when I do podcasts, I'm the other way around. It's great. I can listen. I say, oh, that's great. <laughs> but instead, this is, you know, so that's when we talk to candidates. Say you were candidates. We'd ask you, what are you looking for? I said, actually, I'm not looking to move now this year. Okay, great. When can we speak next year? Six months. When's going to be the right next time for you? Mm -hmm. And here's our details. And if you need us, call us when you next need us as a client or candidate. We're there in the event of need, not for greed. You know, so it's, that's the key thing and not that convincing and actually and Katie you I know that's what this is what Katie who who's done it from HR perspective but also recruitment's perspective you you that's why we share an ethos isn't it yeah and I think when I have maybe approached somebody and they're not actively looking there is the piece of um obviously getting to know them and seeing what their triggers are to potentially you know move but it is just a case of being I believe in transparency. Um, I like to get from clients, what's great about this role? Why would somebody want to join? But equally on the other side, it's not a perfect role. No mm -hmm. role is absolutely perfect. So what are the challenges and what are going to be the frustrations of somebody coming into this role? Because when I speak to any candidate, whether they're unhappy in their current role or not, I want to be able to give them the full picture and the very honest picture. This is why I joined Mike and the Treasury Recruitment Company. I'm very passionate about my career and I, you know, I know it's a cliche, but I would never treat people in a way that I don't want to be treated. And I've had recruiters in the past that have found me jobs and I've had, I've worked with recruiters when I've been in-house and now I am a recruiter in an agency. So I understand what works well and what doesn't work well. And I think from a success perspective, you know, you have to understand your candidates. And there are times when I've said to candidates, when I've had, when I've presented them the role, we've spoken about you know what is what are they looking for in their role in the next company etc I've actually said to them 
do you know what? I don't think this is the right move for you at the moment. There are, unfortunately, other consultancies out there that would then push, 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 push. It's not what I do. It's out of my comfort zone. I don't like doing it. It's not how we are and it's not our culture. So as Mike said, it's not about convincing them. It's about presenting them with an opportunity. Everybody knows their values that they want in a company, in a role. And it is kind of luck of the draw that you hit them at the right time when they are temptable, basically. I think that's probably the only way I can sort of sum it up, really. It's not just getting to know them on a professional level. It's also getting to know them on a personal level. And I know it goes back to hybrid working, but it's around their family situations and finding some a common ground as well. Mm. Because we aren't just putting these people in and never speaking to them again. A lot of the, you know, the majority of these candidates that have the positions we, you know, if they're junior people, we carry them through their career. If there's, if they're going in at senior positions, they end up being our clients. So it's important. It's not just a case of putting a, well, I'm on a seat. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. You shared this progression uh, as the pandemic happened, right? Where yeah. these companies didn't even need your services at one point because they're getting so many high quality applicants and that slowly went down and you sort of linked it to the progression of the pandemic almost. What's what's driving this shift of people not moving roles and you guys being recruited or being employed, sorry, to come and take much more active roles? Like, are people just happier where they are? Are people less willing to move? Are they more risk adverse? Like, what's and is it just the treasury employment market or is it all employment markets at the moment? Or do you see something unique in the treasury market right now? One thing I would say is during pandemic, the market slowed. We were still really busy. But what we were really busy with were more specialist roles actually i recruited one of the biggest roles i've ever recruited a global treasurer position and i went to the client quite early on in the pandemic when we got the instruction and then i said oh pandemic's come along he said yeah mike this person will be on six months notice i was like yeah and they said how long is it going to take you to get this person and it's but well three months to come you know two to three two months with our short listing because there were lots and lots of interviews very you know one of the most senior roles i've ever recruited Oh, and I said, and then once they're interview process, and a lot of it would be virtual and everything else, maybe two months. So we're looking at from instruction to presentation of shortlist, you know, six weeks, eight weeks as it was, to then another two months with or a month and a half, if they went quickly to offer, and then the personal six months notice. So you're looking at nigh on a year, really. Mm-hmm. And they said, we know before that bummer's on the seat. And it's literally, and he wasn't a bum, he's a very good guy. But actually, till that treasury professional started, that senior, it might be a year. And they said, off you go, start going. I was like, oh, right. And they said, yeah, we need you to recruit that role because actually we see this as an opportunity to beef up our team in an, in a market where sometimes they wouldn't answer the phone. Because we know that they're working from home. So a lot of the time they would answer your calls and they would respond to emails for the right opportunity. But it did have an effect on the market and everything else more operational roles they were paused people couldn't move so there wasn't sort of recruit to replace so if someone left a treasury manager job well they weren't because a lot of the time they would have had to be onboarded so they weren't actually looking to leave a lot of people sort of stopped their job searches now we've got this sort of log jam of talent log jam of people starting to go right they're moving they're moving they're moving we've got some retirements happening i think it will calm down a little bit i'm not saying that's because of recessionary things it's not even if there were recessionary pressures we don't get a phone call say recruit 30 treasury professionals 
we don't get a phone call that says cancel all the recruitment for 30. We get, you know, if it's a boom, say, recruits three. You're like, whoa, with one client. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, we have 300 clients. We have a thousand clients that we help globally. When I used to work for a more generalist recruitment company, they had someone that worked with like four major banks and that's all they did. You know, when the when they got hit, they said, oh, we've product controls cancelled. This is cancelled. This They suddenly would have 18 jobs on the board and suddenly went to one. Whereas with us, we had 118 clients or 180 clients. And I'd have one role there, one role there, an interim role there. And that that was our ethos, if you like. That's really interesting. So you're saying because people weren't sat next to their boss, they're more willing to pick up their phones. That's a, yeah. that's, that's, it was a dream. <laughs> right. It was like... But it was, the thing was, it was very difficult because you, you made a point earlier about this balance of life. And I was in, again, I did this session with the ACT, the UK ACT, and it was, we were at the later stages of it. And I said, they said, do you think there's a, there's some burnout? I went, uh, no, no, I don't think it is. There is burnout. They're like, oh, what? And I said, I've got examples of it. I had one of my treasurers, he thought he'd done a really good job got an award from someone of the association, done a great job, re-implemented a TMS system, done all this. And his operational treasury team had coped, bless them. And what they'd done is they got to the end of this and two of them, he was saying, oh, we've done this, you've got this award, we've done really well. And I was like, okay. What he didn't know is they'd confidentially shared their CVs with me because they said, we've coped he's later on in his career his kids have left home they're off at uni and stuff like that he said we you know one of them had uh, like two kids a six-year-old homeschooled was getting up at you know, like sort of six o'clock shower down answer some emails right schooling boom get this done okay you know carrying on with their work got that finish at eight nine o'clock at night boom bed get up repeat and then at the weekend still in lockdown and so the perception or the mistake was that he thought everything was brilliant, but it was actually a bit like one of those swans, you know, where they're sort of, they're all serene on the top, but everyone's like paddling like crazy underneath. And actually that was quite very difficult and very difficult for me because I've sort of trying to coach him. Oh, how's the team going? Yeah, they're brilliant. I'm like, no, but you want to give that advice because he wasn't doing it deliberately. You know, and that's the thing, because they're not natural people managers. I said this in the session, accidental managers. Katie, just for you, you know, have you seen sort of similar things or what are your thoughts, reflections? Pandemic wise, I think it's definitely shifted. And as you said, it's it's busier at the moment. You know, I still recruited during the pandemic because there were gaps in teams that needed to be filled and they were quite happy to onboard people remotely, both in the UK and further afield and then relocate them when it was safe to do so. I think I find that now when I speak to candidates, going back to what Mike said earlier about them being more available, even now because of hybrid working, candidates most of the time will say to me, well, can you call me on next day? Because that's when I'm working from home. You tend to then book in when you're when to speak to them around when they're working from home, which never used to be the case. It used to be, right, it has to be before nine o'clock or it has to be after five o'clock. Now it's, can it be on this day? Or <laughs> the embarrassed call with, with the phone rings yeah. and they go, yeah, you're talking to a recruiter. Yeah. And they walk through the office and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. say, yeah. no, don't worry. We'll pretend it. we'll talk about the football for a minute or the rugby. And then we, and then, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm in a conference room. Right. Okay. Let's talk about a job. 
it's definitely shifted in that respect. Is there anything special about the treasury recruiting market through the pandemic or now versus the overall job market? Or is that really just in line with the with the uh, overall job market? And if so, what's different? I think it's more resistant and resilient. You know, when, as I said earlier, when you get a boom and bust, we don't. We mm. never have. We've sort of operated in this mid-level, mm. whereas it's like boom times, you know, back in uh, turn of the century, dot-com. You know, it was absolute boom time. And I recruited for boo.com. How do you scare an investment banker back in the day? Just say boo, and you were there. And that's what they did. But we never got the downturns. Yes, we do get, you know, and it was tough and stuff. But as I said, throughout the pandemic, we still did recruit. I think what I, I've noticed is that different markets have reacted differently. So UK market is quite a mature market in some ways, and they are used to using recruiters, such stuff, and this is not just a sales pitch. In Europe, they're getting to know people like Katie, and they know that there is that specialist service there. In the US, it's still a fledgling market because recruitment by its very nature, and I looked at many years ago, back in 99, actually relocating to the US to head up the division for one of these companies. And they said, Mike, if you go there, you have to go and actually just live off your fees. I was like, no, no, I want to be paid. You know, I need to pay bills. They went, no, no, you go there, we'll give you a much higher commission. But if you don't eat, if you don't place anyone that month, you don't get paid. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that then. You know, the wife and one one child and then a second one of the way. I was like, no, that's not happening. And it's actually the maturity, and but that's changing in the US market. You know, people are knowing that there is a specialist treasury recruitment company that they want to get passive candidates. They don't have to go on LinkedIn, not get success and just waste loads of time. They can call us and you can still use LinkedIn. You know, if we think, we'll say that actually you'll get a better result there. But if we say, actually, we've got people, we can save that hassle. And again, it sounds sales pitchy. It's not meant that way. It's meant much more that we're here. This is, we'll give you advice if you need it. I think also in the treasury market, as Mike touched on, it's not a high turnover industry. So because we're not restricted to industry, we never are quiet where we don't have any roles on. I think, you know, the only comparison I can use, and again, that's pulling from my experience of of a different industry, is that I've got experience in in retail. And, you know, the pandemic affected retail hugely. And, you know, employment was very much dipped, stores closing and things like that. And now with talk of recession, I think those types of industries will will suffer again, as with hospitality. But from a treasury perspective, it's around having that in the back of the mind. Treasury is a function that's always going to be needed. And so, I, again, with recession, as Mike said, I don't think it's going to, it will have an impact, but it won't have a disastrous impact at all on the job market. Katie, you mentioned about your retail background. I sometimes get interest from I had it one time back in the day a few years ago I was asked had I recruited anyone in California and I had yeah we were working on that had I recruited anyone in LA I'm like okay no I haven't actually at the time I have since and oh but have you got anyone that you recruited as a treasurer in LA in heavy industry and construction (laughs) I'm like no, but I can name you the sort of six or seven companies head, you know, headquarters. I know some of them. No, but have you actually placed a treasurer there? I was like, no. And I said, but I know that four of them are very happy and aren't going to move anyway. I was like, you know, we've got a pool to a puddle to a, a drop, you know, sort of thing. I think that we, we've we discussed it on previous episodes. 
Treasury is interchangeable. You don't have to have experience of retail. You know, I've seen retail treasurers move to construction, move to high tech. It's, you know, it, as long as they've got the malleability, it something comes back to a lot of the other stuff we've done on the other episode about treasurers and throughout, you know, the, you know, all the way through maybe the mid-level. The industry is not as relevant as it might be. There are some industry things which are useful, but not you know, compulsory. That's the right word. Going back to this remote thing that involves technology, right? That's also yep. something that came up lately. And with the pandemic, we need it. Okay, everybody needs a laptop now to be able to work from home. Everybody needs a decent microphone, a decent camera whatsoever. I'd like to touch upon the impact of the technology evolution on the, the treasury market. And since I know you like uh, bullet points questions, Mike, thrown in a, in a row, and then you just answer them one by one. No. What's the impact on, of technology on a, the recruitment, right? Because now we just got used to do our interviews remotely, actually do some tests remotely, group works remotely, business case, etc. What about the onboarding? We touched upon this a little bit earlier with the senior being present a certain day of the week and the juniors elsewhere. And the last one is, is it a requirement now in recruitment to have knowledge about treasury? You released quite a lot of episodes about technology, right? Technology-focused episodes into yeah. Treasury. What's the impact of all this on the Treasury markets for the three above-mentioned points? <laughs> so let's do the last one first. Yeah. Do you need to be a data scientist? Will robots take over and automation take over Treasury? Mm -hmm. No. Do you have to have an amazing understanding? And the more understanding you have a straight-through processing, you know, you've got some of the guys that I've interviewed have been up on stage. One of the guys did before he did some python programming live on stage and showing how they could automate and this is a, a treasurer global treasurer because and i said oh goodness and we he and i talked about it ages ago in fact he's coming back up on the podcast soon and uh, and he demonstrated for people how to create a subroutine and how to do this and because that was a passion of his and i actually asked him on the show i said did you take apart radios and drive your dad mad and he went yeah how did you know that and i was just like i didn't i just guessed i thought <laughs> i thought if my son started to take apart radios i'm like oh right here we go this is where you're going to be in there he doesn't thank goodness but the use of different tools we talk about the toolkit so many times mm -hmm. knowing that stuff is it you know more helpful for you to be able to do it yes totally is because then you can also talk to the it guys and understand what they're talking about yeah. back in the day there was an amazing treasurer alkis shonanakis used to be with colgate and one of these SAP guys was saying, oh, we can't do this. We can't do this. Da, da, da. It doesn't work. He went, yes, it does. He went, no, no, no. He, said, he just pushed this guy gently towards it. Excuse me. And he just sort of sat down. And he went like this. He went, and programmed this and did this and, and made it work. And this guy was like, how'd you do that? He said, if you go here. And he said, yeah. He said, you see those initials or whatever it was? He went, yeah. He went, that's me. And he was, he started with Colgate as a programmer for SAP. And that's how he then used it. And, you know, so he loved technology and he was the international treasurer for Colgate. He was amazing and still is an amazing guy, but amazing taking his career by utilizing that in a business sense. Didn't mean he had to be a programmer, but it certainly helped him. I mean, Katie, you, you technology, you just, we'll keep that as one short because otherwise, I, you know, we don't have the two hour show today. Um, <laughs> technology, and then we'll come back to the couple of the other, the earlier questions that we'll get them to rephrase. Bungalo, what would you um, say? Technology, I mean, across the markets, I'm finding that it is sort of the buzzword with mm -hmm. treasury clients. I think a lot 
more people are implementing new systems and want to have people that understand it. So there's a lot more of the clients asking for certain treasury management system experience. I don't think, as Mike said, I don't think it's going to take over the treasury world, but I think it's becoming more and more important. And I think, you know, like with anything, you've got to have your finger on the pulse and the technology side within treasury is is definitely quite big at the moment. I've recently just picked up a, a role that's around sort of the optimization and transformation side of things. And that is specifically dealing with the new treasury systems. So it's definitely heightened over the last, I would say, 18 months. Hmm. Going back to your previous questions, which which of them cherry picking from the top of the list where you go through? Because uh, I've, I've got a pen that doesn't work. So <laughs> that's perfect. No, no, that was actually the, the, the main one we wanted to okay. tackle. I had also in mind the onboarding aspect and how Treasury is involved into the career of people more than, okay, the skills related to it. But we touched upon this a little bit earlier in the yeah. episode in this yeah. onboarding remote extra. Any final bits before we wrap up for today? You know, we were all exhausted. <laughs> you guys have been doing it for two and a bit hours with me and stuff like this on today's recording. But what other areas do you think that you, you brainstormed about horrible questions? Sam looks like he's got a little smile. He's going, oh, I'll He's ready. <laughs> you mentioned quite sometimes, uh, Mike, cash is king. And yes. that's a term I also heard in, in my job. Can you develop a bit on this? Is cash becoming more king than before? Uh, because we are still into the context of the evolution of the market, right? Uh, over the last five years, we touched upon why treasury is becoming more and more important, more and more interesting. Cash is king. What does that mean? Can you can you develop on that? It's all, all business speak, isn't it? What is it that profit is sanity, turnover is vanity, but at the end of the day, cash is king. And it's actually about the profits that you do this because it enables you, you know, from an entrepreneurial point of view, mm -hmm. if we don't make profit, then Katie be even blacker than here that you wouldn't be here. You know, like, you know, I'm talking about the black box here, Katie, that you just disappear. There'd be no Katie Harding. I'd have to do all the work and I'll work myself. But instead, I have a Katie in my life, which is great. I think cash at the end of the day drives business. And when I talk about cash, I'm talking about profits and having profitable business. If you don't have profitable businesses with, then you don't have businesses per se. But one of the things that I would say is, so I was asked to speak recently, this Eurofinance conference, sat there on stage. Mm -hmm. And I've said this to you guys on a previous session, but it bears repeating because it's directly related to this. I said, it's all very well. We've got all these, you know, little stands and they said, liquidity planning, cash management, TMSs implementation, and all these different bits around the room. And I said, do you know what? There's a table missing here. I said, but do you know what? It would have to be a massive round table, the biggest one in the room, and about talent. Now, I, okay, I was up on stage. I was doing it a bit tongue-in-cheek, mm -hmm. but it was true. The people in that room, you know, I was saying you manage, you do all this, but you actually operate the machines. You coach and mentor the staff. We underestimate that, you know, at our peril maybe, the impact that treasury professionals make that's one of the key things that actually without people doing this nothing would happen again it was like without doing this you know it'd just be this empty office but it's got to be filled with people whether it's a home office or working remotely whatever it might be it's actually the input that you do 
and using technology and all the different things and in that interrelationship treasury is all about that and that's one of the reasons why the treasury recruitment company is about people that's where it's about getting all those processes and working with people and i think that's underestimated that it's everyone oh we've got this amazing cash flow forecast yeah but who did it mm. well the machine produced it yeah but who input the numbers well the business produced it and how was the business well it was run by people and they were selling goods on the street or oh a con- so there were people involved yeah people people and it's it sometimes i think that people lose sight of that people lose sight of the people the the talent aspect if you like if that's the right way to put it and katie what are your thoughts on that Cash is king in treasury world. There are lots of areas of specialism, but cash management tends to be one of the ones that comes up the most. Oh, that's very interesting. And that's a no awesome transition from cash is king to talent is key. Thanks a lot, Mike, for yes. that. Nice. All right. Anything else we forgot to ask you uh, during this, I think, more than an no, hour? I think I'm, I'm all washed out. <laughs> Perfect. Think, we did our job good. Yeah, no, it's great. I think you know, <laughs> I've been stretched this way and that with all the different levels. Have I reflected on this? Yeah, I just felt completely washed out because I feel like wrung out a bit like a sponge, but in a good way. And that's one of the key awesome. things that I think I listened, actually. I hadn't listened to as many of your podcasts until we did our first two episodes. Mm-hmm. I then got back on and listened to some of them. The, Blooming brilliant. And although mm-hmm. I've got to say, Asami asked some horrible questions. Hope you're all right. <laughs> so the fact See, that people are here, like, if you're here on the Treasury Career Corner and you're listening to it, go to Corporate Treasury 101. If you're there, forget those losers. Come across to us. <laughs> the career corner. Yeah. Uh, you know, they might be charming on air, but they're not that like that in real life. But joking aside, you, know, you hear about people's careers and why they've done it for so long. Yeah, it's been a blast. And I'll talk to you. We'll do more of these things as well going forward. But yeah, it's just been great. Well, as always, we'll put the LinkedIn details in the show notes. You can connect to me, Katie, you guys as well. I think, you know, just uh, just thank you for the opportunity. Really. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And thanks a lot for the opportunity. Thanks a lot for having us, Mike and Katie. That's a very nice exchange that we had. It was four sessions. So, yeah, thanks a lot. Thank, thank you. you. Hello, it's Mike here again. I hope you enjoyed this week's show. If you did, then maybe you want to follow the show or subscribe depending on where you listen whether that's itunes spotify or another great place to listen to the show from it's totally free and means that you'll be the first to see each and every week when we release a new show and maybe whilst you're there you could even leave a quick review reviews and ratings are among the most important metrics for a podcast to effectively rank and as you can probably appreciate the podcast is a lot of hard work to produce every week it'd be amazing just take say 20 seconds leave a quick review of my amazing guests and their great career stories we'd really appreciate it thanks very much and i can't wait to see you soon